Oramai, good morning. This is Judith Lay welcoming you to Manx Radio and to the podcast of this week's edition of At Your Service. Manx Radio. Over the next couple of days, history will be made in the Anglican Church on the island. The first female Archdeacon of Man will be installed. The first female chaplain to the House of Keys will take up her duties and the first female will be licensed as priest in charge of the parish of St George and All Saints here in Douglas. It's actually the same person who's filling all three of these roles. She is Reverend Irene Cowell and Irene and her husband Tom are my special guests on today's programme. But let's start, as we usually do, with music. And today's hymns are both chosen for us by Irene. Here's the first one. O Jesus, I have promised to serve thee to the end. Huddersfield Choral Society and O Jesus, I Have Promised to Serve Thee to the End, a hymn that seems particularly appropriate for someone who's dedicated their life to the service of God and his people. 
Earlier this week, Reverend Irene Cowell and her husband Tom invited me to the vicarage in Castletown, which has been their home for the last four years, whilst Irene has been vicar of the parish of Arbury and Castletown, and which they'll shortly be leaving to move to St George's Vicarage here in Douglas. I wanted to talk about Irene's vision for her role as Archdeacon, to talk with Irene's husband Tom about his part in what is clearly a very special and supportive partnership, but most of all to hear Irene's own faith story. But as the time for her installation service as Archdeacon of Man grows ever closer, I did really want to know just how is she feeling? I'm feeling uh, very privileged and also excited about the challenges that lie ahead and the opportunities too. I'm also a bit anxious about what lies ahead as well. It's mixed emotions and mixed feelings at the moment. I'd like to talk about the role of the Archdeacon, but I'd really like to talk about you as a person. How did all of this start? You've been ordained priest now in the Anglican Church for about 27 years, something like that? Well, yes, I've been ordained priest 27 years. I went to church as a child, uh, went to Christchurch Bootle in uh, Liverpool and my best friend, her parents went to our local church and I used to go to church with her and uh, over those uh, those years got more and more involved in things like Sunday school and helping out at various activities and as a teenager got more and more involved in church life and I remember one day asking the uh, rector of the parish church why there were no women up front in church and he turned around and he said to me Women in the church, my dear, it'll never happen in my lifetime and I doubt if it'll ever happen in yours. What you need to do is train as a Sunday school teacher. And so at 14, I ended up a Sunday school teacher and and really put all thoughts of this behind me. And then over the years, various things happened. I, like a lot of teenagers, stopped attending church and uh, would just occasionally go more to catch up with my best friend than anything else. And then I I met up with some friends and uh, they they were friends of my husband's, Tom's, and they encouraged me to go back to church again. And it was... During that period that I started to sense a calling to ordain ministry and then various conversations happened along the way. I sensed this calling to have some form of ministry within the church but didn't know quite what it was going to be. I one day met with my then vicar to talk about a a reader ministry in the church and I'd written in my diary that I felt a call to ordain ministry but I didn't feel confident enough to actually broach that with him so I'd written in my diary if it's meant to be then somebody else has got to ask me that question and I was just about to walk out of his office when he said do you know this doesn't seem right have you ever thought of ordained ministry and the rest they say is is history at that time it had not gone through general synod for women to be ordained as priest it was still in that period while they were discussing and debating it so I had to go through a lot of interviews. My interviews took nearly two years while they agreed that it would be the right thing for me to do. You just slipped in a little mention there of your husband, Tom, and I'm really delighted that we're going to be able to talk to Tom. But when you sent this call to ministry, what was your job then, Irene? 
I trained as a nurse at Alderhane Broadgreen Hospital. I did my combined nursing in children's and also adult nursing. And after my qualification, went on to work on a male surgical ward in Broadgreen Hospital and was there for quite a few years. Whilst, as you say, this call to ministry wasn't fully formed, your desire to serve and care was clearly there in your choice of profession, wasn't it? But when you actually got going with your training, you had a pretty exciting time, didn't you? You've been around a few places in the best sense of the word, haven't you? Well, yes. I mean, I was very fortunate in the first place to be able to go and train in Cambridge. I really did not anticipate that. I mean, I've had lots of opportunities along the way and I've been able to go to the United States and and train with the Episcopal Church there. And I've been off to Windsor and spent four weeks at St George's Windsor. It was a wonderful experience. So I think all these experiences have brought me to this place. And I remember having applied for the post here in Arbury and Castletown, having already been here on placement when I was an ordinand. And I felt a, a real sense that God said, I've prepared you for such a time as this. And I've had some wonderful experiences in some wonderful places that has broadened my ministry from being in churches of differing traditions, having had roles and responsibilities within the church in training and teaching and being with other clergy and assisting people in their ministry, to having an experience of the wider church as well. I talked to somebody recently about this. I can still remember clearly my very first meeting with an archdeacon. And it was before I was ordained or it was fascinated by the role that he had. He was in my church uh, that I was attending and I was there to meet the vicar and the archdeacon had arrived to look at uh, the building. There was a problem with the building and he was introduced to me and, and... I asked what his role was, what his job was. And so he told me a little bit about it. And then on a number of occasions through my early ministry, I would say something and someone would say to me, you need to be an archdeacon. And so it's sort of been in the background there as as something which I felt called to. You are the first female archdeacon on the island. And alongside being archdeacon, you will also become, in a service tomorrow night, priest in charge of the parish of St George and All Saints in Douglas. The church, St George, is regarded very much as the government church with a civic role to play. And you will be the first female priest in charge in that church. So history is being made on every level. But now I would love to have the opportunity to talk to your husband, Tom. There's a clue in the name. Tom Cowell. There might be a bit of Manx in there, Tom, am I right? Yes. I mean, he's pretty good with the genealogy and we went back to the mid-1500s or something like that with the family name. My grandfather, who I never got to meet, was an alderman in Douglas in the late 40s, early 50s and a jeweller in Douglas. So the family have been around a while, yeah. Now, Tom, you married a nurse. In a couple of hours, she'll be the archdeacon. How much of this is a, is a shared ministry for you? It is very much a shared thing. I'd like to think my role in the whole process is one of support. Well, I saw something on Irene's Facebook page I found particularly moving, and Irene had shared a picture of her ordination. Mm. And there's a big group of people, and Irene is at the heart of it, as you would imagine. And she put a little comment that this says a lot about your relationship. You were there, but you were on the edge. You were letting Irene be where she needed to be with all the people. But you are the one that she comes home to, the one who really knows her the best. 
it was one of these defining moments when you suddenly realise the lay of the land. I mean, it had been ordained that day. I was at the edge, as you say, people throwing me around her. And I suddenly had the realisation, the clear understanding that she belonged to other people. She would be belonging to other people for as long as she was going to be in ministry. And in many cases, their needs would come long before mine. Now, if you get your head around that, then the rest of it is easy. The rest of it is very easy. Irene comes home, coffee waiting. Irene's got something to say, sit and listen. And it is a shared thing. Irene has things she's passionate about. I have things I'm passionate about. We have things that we share together and get a laugh out of and enjoy very, very much. If there's one word I think that you have to take on board, it's the, the, the word compromise. You have to be able to compromise. You have to be able to say, put that to one side because this is more important. And we've done that through nearly 41 years this September of married life. And we've done that through her 27 years of ministry. We've always maintained that wherever we are, we have an open door policy. We can accept people as they are whenever they want to knock on the door and be there for people because without the contact, she can't do a job. Did you think that Irene is one day going to be a priest or was it a huge surprise? I can remember the day vividly when she came in and looked at me and said, sit down, I've got something to tell you. I'm going to be a vicar or worse to that effect. It was a defining moment, but why shouldn't she be? And what right have I got to say, you can't do that? So I followed her. I was working at the time for a media company and we moved down to Cambridge and I continued the work down there. It was one of these things where I've been able to go where she goes. Three paces behind, mind you, but nonetheless, it's led me into situations that I would never have experienced. I've met people who ordinarily I would never have experienced. And people like David Shepherd, Derek Warlock in Liverpool at the time, amazing strength of character, and they did so much. You don't get a chance to meet people like that every day and they leave a mark and you will remember it forever. You must be tremendously proud of, of Irene today, Tom. Oh, fit to bust. Absolutely, yeah. I remember the first time Irene preached in a church and she said to me afterwards something along the lines of, you, you didn't look very comfortable. And the reason I didn't look very comfortable was I was sat on my hands because I was terrified I was going to start clapping at the end of her sermon. So, yeah, we've been through all these things together, but we share everything. And she does an incredible job. What would you say was the, the, the greatest gift that Irene is going to bring to, to this very challenging step in her ministry? What do you think her greatest gift is? Her humanity, her caring nature, her ability to communicate with anybody and her total lack of self-importance, which puts her on a level playing field with everybody. She treats everybody the same. Tom, thank you. It's been great to talk to you. Irene, listening to that, how do you feel about that? He's a keeper, isn't he? He most definitely is. Tom's been a real support to me. He's there for me on the good days and the bad days. It is worth everything to me. You know, he's he's has a very special place in, in my life, my ministry. You know, as he said, we, we are a partnership in that and and he supports me wholeheartedly and I couldn't have wanted for anything anything more. 
Let's go back to the role of Archdeacon. What exactly does the Archdeacon do? What are your responsibilities? You are really to be a good steward and, and assist in the parishes across the island and to support the clergy, to have that pastoral concern for clergy and their families and their well-being, to support the church wardens and other officials in the church, in the running of the church. I suppose Archdeacon is is the chief servant in that sense and it's it's being the person who assists the bishop in in many different ways by being eyes and ears on the ground as it were in the parishes and to be able to to know what's happening but also to help deliver the strategy of the diocese as well um to encourage a mission and ministry uh, to pray for the for the people not just of the of the parishes but for the whole island and to be to be connected with the organizations charities and and the secular world within the the island community and be mindful of my role before god is one of of service and so it's it's a it's got an administrative role it's got a pastoral role to it a strategic role and and also as i say it's about being a representative a public figure of the church in across the island as well it's a fascinating role because it covers so much but it's a huge role and in addition to that you will be the the priest in charge of a of a big town centre parish, uh, the the amalgamated parishes of St George's and All Saints. So there are civic services that that find their home in St George's. Now, do you see those two things as being naturally complementary? Does it please you that you've got a vicar's role as well as an archdeacon's role? Yes, I think one informs the other in many ways. I mean, nowadays in most larger dioceses, archdeacons no longer have parishes to, to look after as well. It, it does bring other challenges in that you aren't as free on a Sunday to go and visit other churches and to meet other congregations. So you have to be more creative about how you do those things. But I think being vicar in or priest in charge in your with your own congregations keeps you rooted in parish ministry as well and uh, helps you realise that there are challenges and demands that um, you have to face, that your other colleagues have to face as well. St George's, Irene, is the civic church. It, it's very much the, the government church. And that brings another role for you that's a first, doesn't it? Yes, I've just been appointed as chaplain to the House of Keys, just about to take up my new role as chaplain in the next week. There's been a little bit of debate about prayers before the, the, the sitting of Tinwald. I think it, there will still be further conversations about that as I take up my role but I think that there was opportunity for people to be able to express their their thoughts their beliefs their understanding of the role of the chaplain and so I'm hoping that we can move forward and I respect those people who do find uh, the role of the chaplain perhaps doesn't fit with their understanding of the way in which government should run. It's not just about leading a time of prayer. It's being there for anybody within government. They've got somebody that they can talk to if they need a listening ear. That's really the chaplain's role, isn't it? Yes, I think it's going to be about getting to know people and for them to know that they can come and can talk to me 
none of us know when we might need somebody outside the structures of our work and family life that we might just need somebody to to have that conversation with. I offer that role as a pastor to the members of the House of Keys. With two full-time jobs, which it is effectively, will you be looking for a lot of lay support where it's appropriate in lay people with particular skills to support? Yes, I mean, I very much believe in team ministry and that by that I mean team in the greater sense in that it's both lay and ordained, that we all have gifts that we bring. I have my own set of gifts and skills, but I don't have everything. I'm not the perfect person who there's only one person who was perfect in this world and that was Jesus and you know he was the one who was gifted and able to do all things and I'm not I'm a human being and so I need other people around me who have got other skill sets and other gifts and my hope and prayer is that that we will work together as a team and we will be able to that way deliver the mission and ministry that's needed in the church because I think quite often it's not through the ordained members of our church that people come to faith it's through the lay people and the friendships that they built and I'm very much in um, believing in a, being an invitational church that is one that is open to welcoming people and actually the invitations come from those in our pews and those who are working in the world around us. And sometimes clergy can be a little bit removed from that. We need the fullest team of people with skills of all sorts to make that happen.
brother, sister, let me serve you. The second hymn chosen by my special guest today, the Venerable Irene Cowell, the new Archdeacon of Man and priest in charge of the parish of St George and All Saints here in Douglas. She's also going to be chaplain to the House of Keys. Irene will be installed as Archdeacon in the Cathedral in Peel this afternoon at half past three and licensed in St George's Church in George Street here at the heart of Douglas tomorrow, Monday night at half past seven. Both services will be conducted by the Lord Bishop, the Right Reverend Peter Eagles, and there's a warm welcome for everyone to come, share in these services and pray with and for Irene at the start of this significant new stage in her ministry. And my thanks to the Venerable Irene and her husband Tom for talking with me today. So let's finish with a look at our notice board. And we start with events today. And this afternoon, Glen May Chapel invites you to join them for an afternoon tea and entertainment to celebrate their chapel anniversary. It's this afternoon at three o'clock. Admission is free, but donations for the work of the church would be appreciated. This afternoon, there's a garden opening at Balakalingan House on Lazare Road from half past two to half past five in aid of Lazare Church. There'll be a plant stall and tea available. Car parking is in the field opposite Lazare War Memorial and entry is £10, payable at the gate into the field. I'm afraid no dogs allowed. The next Mariner's service will be this evening in Sandygate Chapel. As usual, it'll be at half past six and the preacher will be Mrs Marilyn Cannell with supper and community hymn singing after the service. Looking to the week ahead and the very popular series of summer concerts continues in St Thomas's Church here in Douglas, just off the promenade by the Gaiety Theatre. The concerts are every Wednesday at a quarter to eight with free admission and refreshments afterwards. This week, the concert will be given by the choir Musicale with their director, Judy Cross. The Laxey handbell ringers are coming to Moran Parish Church this Friday the 24th for a concert at 7pm with light refreshments afterwards. Admission is free, but there will be an opportunity to donate to a retiring collection if you wish. On now to Christchurch in Laxey, where on Saturday the 25th, Andrew Scarf is giving an illustrated presentation entitled The Snaefell Mine Disaster 1897. This is the subject of Andrew's latest book, and copies of the book will be available on the evening. Doors open Saturday evening at 7 o'clock, and the talk starts at half past seven. Tickets are £5 each, including light refreshments, and can be reserved by texting or phoning Hazel Smith on 404 100. Also next Saturday, the Parish Church in St Mark's invites everyone to come and share in their 250th anniversary celebrations that start next Saturday afternoon at 2 o'clock with a service of thanksgiving led by the Lord Bishop, the Right Reverend Peter Eagles. This will be followed at half past three by tea and a talk by author Philip Modiano about John Thomas Clark, chaplain of St Mark's for well over 30 years from 1828. And the celebrations continue next Monday, June the 27th, with a concert at St Mark's Parish Church by Glen Faber Chorale. It starts at half past seven with refreshments in the schoolroom afterwards. Next Sunday, the 26th, Crosby Methodist Chapel invites you to join them as they celebrate their chapel anniversary with a special service next Sunday morning at 11 o'clock. 
It's a combined service with the Moran Parish Church family and music by the Crosby Silver Band. I have the privilege of delivering a message at the service and there'll be tea and biscuits in the hall afterwards. There's a warm welcome for everyone and it would be lovely to see you there. Also next Sunday, the 26th, Balagheri Chapel in St Mark's have their Sunday school anniversary service at half past two next Sunday afternoon when Mrs Pauline Corlett will preach and this will be followed at four o'clock by a jubilee picnic with a warm welcome for everyone. And last but by no means least, Balakilferic celebrate their chapel anniversary next Sunday with an open-air service in the field opposite the chapel starting at three o'clock, at which Mrs Sue Yardy will preach. And that's all that we have time for now, but I'll be back in the studio tonight from nine with sundown. Easy listening music to round off the weekend, and I'd love you to join me if you can. So till whenever we meet again, this is Judith saying thank you for listening and I wish you and those you love a blessed and peaceful week and a very good morning. The nation stays.